Hill, Will Peterson, hanging out with you as it is the first day of training camp. We are actually out here at UC Health Center. But we're in the air conditioning, which is really nice because it's toasty outside, Will. I know. I feel guilty. We watched like the first 20 minutes of practice and then came up here to uh, do coffee break. And I'm like, not going to lie, we're in the media room. We are totally by ourselves. What you see behind us is where players normally talk and they probably will talk. Uh, They'll be down on the field, but maybe up here as well. And uh, it just is like... We could do this every day, Rachel. I wouldn't complain. No, this is super nice. Happy to be back in some air conditioning to get a little uh, cool because we're definitely running around. There's so much to be excited about. Obviously, Russell Wilson running out onto the field was a big one. So many cameras flashing, and we've got a video clip of it, so take a listen. Our very own Will Peterson got that clip. He's nice and tall, so you get the good angles. But he got a huge ovation from the crowd out on the hill. Yeah, it was cool. So Russ came out, and, you know, he's pretty far away from the fans. So he gets the big ovation, but then he decides, I'm going to go over to the hill, starts high-fiving fans, and that's when the crowd just erupts and explodes. I mean, think about it, Rachel. Would, would they do that for Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke or Case Keenum or Trevor Simeon or Joe Flacco or Paxton Lynch? You know where I'm going You're with this. you go through all 11 of them. Yeah, I think I got about eight there. But my point is, like, if they did, it would have been to be nice. This, they're actually excited about. There's real tangible enthusiasm. So it's, a, it's an exciting time for Broncos country, and it was the first shot of Russell Wilson coming out on the field with fans present. You know, we've seen it at OTAs and stuff like that. But day one of training camp, got the shot. This is a totally different vibe. And, yeah, there were a ton of fans already out here. Mike Cliss said that there were some people out here at 3 p.m. yesterday. When I got here, I could only find people that got out here at midnight. So that's still a long time. The doors opened at 9 or nine a.m. It's a long time to stand out here for people. Yeah, I, I got to respect the guy that gets out here at 3 p.m. yesterday. And I also got to say he's a little crazy. <laughs> 100%. Because he was here for an extra uh, – we know math is our strength on this show, but he was here for an extra like 16, 17 hours than he needed to be, yes. and he probably got about 15 people in front of where he would have been. So I, I love the hustle, but probably a little over overdid it. Hopefully it paid off in good karma that he got the high five from Russ, though, as he was going down the line, because it would really suck if Russ missed you and you've been out here almost 18 hours. Yeah, or I think, Rachel, and we'll have to see with our own two eyes after practice, this is going to be the first time they've been allowed to sign autographs since COVID. So since 2019. So that fan, whoever he was, uh, will be in prime position for autographs. I'm hopeful Mm -hmm. for his sake he gets his favorite player. And, of course, we'll see if Russ signs. But if Russ signs... That is going to be a madhouse. So we'll have to see how all this plays out. This all this feels like first day of school because it always does. But really, first day of school, and like I took the last two years off. I took a gap year. Uh, we're back at camp. The fans are back. There's no COVID restrictions. Mm-hmm. It really does feel like a blast back in time. So I remember coming to Broncos training camp as a kid. And what was so interesting is I remember it being so incredibly packed up on the hill. Now, there's a few empty spots out there. A lot of people did show up, but there's some empty spots, which I thought was a little disappointing. But DMAC said, no, this is actually a huge crowd for day one. It's usually Saturday that is the packed house because people are already off of work. You don't have to worry about getting it off or anything like that. Yeah, and I love DMAC's optimism. I, I respect it, but I will also say DMAC himself knows because he was here. The Hill was more full on Peyton Manning's first day than it is I think today. I was he- I'm trying to think if I was here on that day. 
I mean, it would have been 2012, day one, you know, literally about 10 years ago right now. So maybe so, I was. So you could have been, but I love DMAX Optimism. Rachel, I tweeted, I think the hill is about 40% full. Um, it maybe got to 45, close to 50 since then. But I'm not going to lie, I was expecting it to be totally full today. So it's a little bit of a bummer. Um, some of the pictures we're seeing now, you know, obviously taken at various times, but what I took was right before practice started. I walked up here during practice and the hill had not filled in um, any more than, than 45, 50%. That's okay. It's a Wednesday. People have jobs. It's hot. I get it. But you also just thought first day of Russell Wilson, that thing might be totally full. So I'm not disappointed. I will say this. I'm excited to see, first of all, a Friday is always going to do better. You know, people can play hooky from work a little easier. But then Saturday, because we saw the tweet that they sold out the tickets, even though they were free, yep. in like eight minutes. Well, if you sold them out, then every single spot on that hill should be taken up. So I think that'll be a good uh, barometer on Saturday. No, 100%. And again, I almost think the media, you and I, can almost be to blame because we're like, make sure you get there super early. It's going to be super hot, right? It's those comments that might even scare some people away from wanting to take off work. If you're like, I have to get there at 4 a.m. to maybe get a seat, I think sometimes we can be the bad guys. Rachel V, he'll blame in the media, even though I'll she's part of us. Yep. <laughs> I told everybody, I was like, make sure you get there early because I thought it was going to be packed house. But Again, still an awesome opportunity to see so many players out here. And we, the media, had our media barbecue yesterday, which the Broncos put on. It's a great event where we get to hear from George Payton, Nathaniel Hackett, some players, and Justin Simmons, and Cortland Sutton as well. And then they feed us barbecue because a lot of people spend a lot of time in this room, that's for dang sure. But um, George Payton talked about the extension of a few key players. So let's take a listen. We all wrestle here a long time. Ryan, I appreciate the question. Um, out of respect for his team, you know, our team, we're just going to keep it in-house. Any discussions we may or may not have. I have a really good relationship, uh, you know, with Russ's agent, uh, Mark Rogers, and, and at the right time, you know, we'll get a deal done. You know, like the Russell, we're going to keep everything in-house with he and, and uh, his agent. Uh. So, again, they're saying we're going to keep everything in-house when it comes to Bradley Chubb and Russell Wilson and these contract extensions. It doesn't surprise me too much, but also you got to give people a little bit of hope about, hey, yeah, we're bringing all these guys back. It was funny because it was, we're going to keep it in-house, and then he commented on both guys. That's what cracked me up is, I'm not going to comment, but by the way, on Russ, we'll get a deal done when the time is right. I know our own Jake Shapiro wrote up DenverFan.com that he called that a promise. I was on with Sandy Clough and Sean Drotar last night and brought that up, and Sandy said, oh yeah, it was a promise, it was a guarantee, whatever you want to call it. George Payton did say, after no comment, we're going to get a deal done at some point, which was really interesting. And then on the Chubb one, same deal. I'm not going to comment. But here are all the things I like about Bradley, and we want him here for a long time. And then, oh, by the way, Nathaniel Hackett felt the need to chime in about Chubb, too, and said, hey, when I was in Green Bay, I didn't know how we were going to block this guy. And ever since I've been here, I don't know how we're going to block this guy. So that one was curious, too, because, Rachel, I think, obviously, everyone expects a Wilson contract extension to get done. Yeah. Um, they didn't either, just bring him in here for one year to be like, right. oh, let's see either, how play. Either in the next few weeks, once Robson Walton takes over the ownership, or some point during the season, or worst-case scenario, after next season, and obviously with the last year on his deal. But the Chubb one is a little more curious, because... Everything that the vibe has been is that this is Bradley Chubb's last year with the Broncos. Because if he has a great year, Rachel, guess what? He's going to be a free agent. Someone's going to throw huge money at him. If he has a down year, the Broncos are going to say, 
That was John Elway's pick. That wasn't George Payton's pick. And that was just a whiff. You know, I hate to say it, but if he has five years and three of the five have almost no production, they're just going to let him leave, and he may go the way of, of someone like Shane Ray, who was a pass rusher the Broncos had in the first round, who hasn't been in the league since the Broncos let him go. Had like a cup of coffee with the Ravens, and that was it. I don't think that'll happen to Chubb, but it, it, it bears monitoring um, the future of Bradley Chubb. No, 100%. And, you know, when you really look at these contract extensions, again, we're talking about when is Russ going to happen? What is that going to look like? But it's going to happen. And, again, with Bradley, we don't know if that's going to happen because it's really going to play out what happens this year. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, he could either get a monster deal if he has a huge year, and we'll see if that's from the Broncos. Like, they just paid Randy Gregory a ton of money. Mm -hmm. They just drafted Nick Benito out of Oklahoma. They still have Jonathan Cooper and Baron Browning. Uh, there's a lot of edge rushers on this team. Does George Payton really want to pay an edge rusher insane amount of money when he just did it this offseason? I'm rooting for Bradley. I like Bradley Chubb. But if he has as big a season as some people predict, he's going to hit the free agency market and get a monster contract unless they go down the franchise tag route, which will be a different story. And again, what I mentioned, if he doesn't have a good year, is there going to be a team that takes a flyer on him? Probably. He's a former number five overall pick. But the Broncos will have said, we've seen that for five years, and we're going to go in a different direction. What kind of numbers does he need to have to land that big contract with Denver? Double-digit sacks, for sure, and I think health is just such a key factor. He's got to play 14, 15, 16, 17, all of them games. Uh, it's been an inability to stay healthy, and then last year, the goose egg, zero sacks. The, the production was was just not there for Chubb, so double digits, absolutely. But, Rachel, edge rusher is a little bit like quarterback in this league. It is so coveted and so highly valued. Randy Gregory hasn't had more than six sacks in a season, and the Broncos just gave him $70 million. Mm -hmm. If Bradley Chubb gets double-digit 10, 11, 12 sacks, guarantee some team on the open market will give him a huge bid. Okay, one thing I noticed, and a lot of people have been talking about it, is the running back situation, the drama involving Melvin Gordon. And you know what I noticed today? He was one of the last guys out of the locker room today, coming out after a lot of people too. So the question is, I know Cecil and I were talking about this yesterday. Okay. Coaches are taking notes. Do they notice that this guy who's supposed to be this huge player for them is coming out late onto the team or onto the field? I mean, potentially, but this is the guy who also did a podcast during OTAs, right? It just makes me so mad. Like, I'm like, Melvin, I want you to succeed. We want all of them to succeed, but get back out there. Prove them that you want to be here. Yeah, it's kind of Melvin's MO, right? Like, Melvin's a big fan of Melvin. Melvin always is going to bet on Melvin. Um, he's always taken his battles here very personally, you know, sure. especially think about the, you go back with Philip Lindsay and even last year with Javante, um, there's a little bit of awkwardness with, with Melvin when it's unclear if he's the guy. And, and really, Rachel, for the first time, we're not even talking about, oh, it might be 50-50. Like the casual fan and most all of us think it should be 70-30, Javante Williams versus Melvin Gordon on the carry. So it's a tricky situation. So today, like, Listen, day one, if he had come out at 9.45, would we be sitting here saying, oh my gosh, he's so focused. And instead he comes out at 10.05 and we're like, ah, he's one of the last one out. Like, I'm not going to sit here and hot take the 20 minute difference, but from an aesthetic standpoint, after- say 10, 10, not Okay, 10, 10, 10, my bad. From an aesthetic standpoint, based on everything we did see this offseason, it's certainly a noteworthy observation. No, 100%. And Portland Sun talked to the media yesterday about they're not trying to sneak into the playoffs. They're trying to bring a playoff game to Denver. Take a listen. 
winning is the key. Being able to, um, you know, bring the city back a championship. You know, seeing what, seeing what you know teams around the city are doing and and what the Avs just did. You know, the Nuggets make it to the playoffs. You know, dang near every year. You know, watching guys, you know, have that success and. You know, I know for myself, I, it's 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 a huge thing to want to bring a you know the, a playoff game back home to to you know Empire Field for the fans. You know, they you know we've been been without it for you know the past few years, and that's on us. And it's on us to be able to make sure that you know we're doing everything that we possibly can to you know put ourselves in that position to go you know go do that. And getting to the playoffs is is, is a huge thing, but we don't want to just. Sneak into the playoffs. We want to, like I said, host host the playoff game, you know, in, in Power Field, so that everyone can be there and you know feel the juice of the city, you know, right there with us. And you know, we want to be, you know, going down, you know, downtown, you know, hosting up the Lombardi Trophy. That's that. That's the. Those are the goals. But yeah. those are the goals. That's what they want to do: be able to host the Lombardi Trophy in downtown. Now, we heard a lot about accountability and player accountability yesterday. How important is that? Well, obviously, I think it's huge. I think when when you're winning five, six, seven games every year, there's a there's a notion to let the team sort of slack off. Like, let's go play games in the locker room. Let's hang out. We got to be here all day anyway. Let's just go chill rather than hey, let's go lift, you know, or or let's go get some extra tape in or whatever. So yeah, I, I think that will start with Russ. But can Russ babysit all 53 guys on this roster once the you know 90 guys now when camp is around? Of course not. Like. That will be on guys like Cortland Sutton. Let's be honest, Rachel. They bring out the biggest names for the first day, and they sh- they chose they they weren't going to do the quarterback. He'll talk after the first practice, but they chose on defense Justin Simmons, which I don't think anyone would argue with. But on offense, they chose Cortland Sutton. So like it or not, going into his what fourth or fifth year now, he's he's absolutely one of the longest tenured players on this offense. And he's one of the leaders. So you better believe he's going to be holding guys accountable. And he's going to be looking, uh, you know, to to the Tim Patricks of the world to do it. And and the Dalton Reisners and the Garrett Bowles. Like you start thinking of the the longer tenured veterans on this offense. It's a young group. And even Russ has been in the league for 10 years. But it's his first season in this locker room and with the Broncos. So guys who who have been through the lows and... We sure as know there have been plenty of lows are going to have to be the driving force behind that. What do you want to see out of Portland Sun this year? What is a great year for Portland Sun? Well, he, he had over 1,000 yards, excuse me, over 1,100 yards in 2019 with Joe Flacco, Drew Locke, and Brandon Allen. So if he can get 1,100 yards with that trio, why can't he get 12, 13 with Russ, you know? And then he had six touchdowns in that year. Is, is 10 ambitious? Sure, but I, I think settling in at a number like 8 isn't that big a expectation. So I think I think 1,208 for, for Cortland Sutton. Listen, Jerry Judy is getting all of the hype, and, and rightfully so. He's the former first-round pick. He played at Alabama. He played for Nick Saban. We all, we all know the backstory. But I just think there's a consistency that Cortland Sutton has already shown in this league with bad quarterback play that Jerry Judy has never even come close to showing in the NFL. So Sutton needs to be your wide receiver one. Um, I know our own Cecil Lammy loved to hammer during OTAs. Russ and Sutton. Russ and Sutton. That is the connection to watch. Cecil's a fantasy guy, too. And he says, everyone's saying, oh, take Jerry Judy. Might not be a bad pick. Cortland Sutton's a better pick. So... Um, I think 1,208 is, is a fair fair floor for Corlin Sutton. And after that, 
ceiling can be higher, and a, and a Pro Bowl berth is certainly a, a possibility, or at least something I think he should be striving for. Well, they also talked a lot about the Avs and what the Avs did last year, bringing the Stanley Cup and a championship back to Denver. Well, we haven't talked about the Avs much this week as we've been preparing for training camp. Well, Gabe Landeskog had the trophy in Sweden yesterday and was able to celebrate with his friends and family too. And there he is, the man with the trophy, and it looks so good. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, the the cup, we've been tracking it, Rachel. You know, I think this is now like the, I, I want to say like the 10th or 11th player we've, mm-hmm. we've shown photos of or seen with the cup. And the day the captain gets it is obviously going to be a big deal. Um, I think, you know, the day McKinnon gets it, social media will be buzzing. The day Kale gets it, social media will be buzzing. But Gabe might be third on that list. And he had an eventful day in Stockholm. I wrote about it at DenverFan.com. Um, he, he took it to his old elementary school. He took it to his old hockey rink. And then he even took it to a children's hospice facility in Stockholm, Sweden, which obviously, you know, the patients are, are going through terrible, terrible times mm-hmm. in a hospice. And it's, you know, it could be the end of, end of life sort of thing. And, and for Gabe to take the cup and, and brighten their days and put a smile, it's just... Uh, it's our captain. Yeah, I was going to say, it's just pure class from Gabe. Would you expect anything different? No. Um, and, and he had a family connection to that facility as well. So I just thought that was really cool that we've seen a lot of partying out of the cup, and now we're starting to see some good done with it too. Well, and Jack Johnson baptized his his daughter all three kids all three kids in it too and that happened earlier this week as well so that's pretty dang cool yeah it can be used in all kinds of way uh i love that there's no rules on the stanley no rules truthfully just do whatever the heck you want with it so i did some backstory research on that for a for a story on denverfan.com and sylvain lefebvre won the (laughs) cup with the abs in 96 and was the first one to baptize a child in the stanley cup so it actually started with the abs you know back in 96 26 years ago and then there was a Red Wings player who did it, a Penguins player who did it, and by everyone's sort of research, which it's hard to track that over the years because there's not there's not a Wikipedia of what every single person did with the Stanley Cup every yep. single day. Um, it looks like jo- it should, put it together. oh, that sounds like a fun project. Oh, yeah, um, your boss will love that. It looked like Johnson was was the fourth one to use the cup for baptism purposes. I like it. I like it a lot. Well, obviously, the Broncos will look to hopefully bring a Super Bowl and the Lombardi Trophy back to Denver again. We're super excited, but Russell Wilson, they showed pictures, right? He's all about the brand, and he showed a picture of his car yesterday. At least, we believe it's his car. I guess it could not be, but I don't know why you would say something about a ride and then this incredible picture. So, let's put it up real quick. We believe we should have it, and it's got this huge tire on the top of it. Yeah. Oh, so there we go. Huge tire just right up on top. This massive truck. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, listen. Russell's probably going to be listed at like six feet. Yeah. Anyone who's seen Russell, okay, okay. Well, but anyone who's seen Russell or watched the the, the intern video with Peyton Manning knows that uh, that five eleven may even be a little generous. It might be closer to five ten. So um, not that that's a big deal necessarily, but when you look at him next to this truck, the truck is so much bigger than him. Um, listen, the guy can drive whatever he wants. I'm not going to hot take it or, or get mad at him or, or whatever. But I will point out, he's going to want that new contract because with gas at, at, at 4 or $5 a gallon, I think that thing's getting, what, five miles a gallon? You know, Maybe. seven miles a gallon? Like, it, it can't, be a, can't be a real efficient car. So, um, listen, it's, it's a funny picture. It's a funny truck. And, and he's it, got the money to do it, so why not? 
Yeah, That's well, what I'm saying. the environment maybe, but <laughs> um, I know Jake. Sh- I know our, going well, I know our Jake Shapiro had some had some thoughts on that yesterday. But the last thing I will say, Rachel, is he opened a store at Park Meadows, you know, the mm-hmm. night before or two nights before camp, whatever. And then this picture of the truck yesterday. I am just so glad football is here because the rust takes are getting exhausting. Now, does he do it to himself a little bit? Yeah, because he puts everything on social media. And that's and that's a that's a conscious choice. Like we wouldn't be talking about Russ as much if every single day of his life wasn't documented on social media. But at the same time, this whole oh just go play football thing, I'm sick of seeing all the fun. I don't I think it's cool. Like he can go live his life. Like did, did Russ show up late to training camp this morning? No. Then all good, you know. So um, I think the truck yesterday was just like there was more negativity about it than positivity. And again, some of it was was the size of the ride and the environment, and the and gas mileage. People care too much. Let the man drive his car. I just thought it was funny, but it made us think. You know what other athletes have really interesting cars? So let's check out a few because I believe Shaq has one. He's got like a little smart car now. If you know Shaq, he's obviously very small, so or very large, excuse me. So for him to get in a smart car, something else. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how Shaq fits fits behind the wheel of that rig. So um, you know, good for Shaq. It's a it's a smart car. It's probably getting a little better mileage than uh, than Russ's car is getting. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's not an ideal fit. I, I think a Shaq is more of like a Hummer, something like that. Uh, it was funny actually, though. People were wondering. Surprised that Russ doesn't have a driver with the entourage that he has. You know, he's got the quarterback coach, he's got the chef, he's got the personal trainers. Driver though, a little bit of independence. Yeah, it's a it's a good question. Um, you know, does he drive himself every day? We don't know. You know, there could be days for the photo op where he drives himself, and other days he has a driver. So, um, you know, the, the trek from Cherry Hills to Dove Valley. What's that? Just just hop on twenty five at like Hamden, I guess, and then yeah, and then you know, few few exits down to Arapahoe Road or Dry Creek, and you're here. So. He, he can probably manage that, I would think. Okay, what else are we looking at? We're getting ready to go back out on the field. What are you really looking at today when you look at the players? Well, I think how the offensive line stacks up will be key. I mean, Rachel, they, they just put Billy Turner on PUP yesterday, yep. signed a tackle this morning, um, and, and we've heard like nine or ten different names. Yep. And the offensive line, yeah, nine or ten may play in 17 weeks, but that thing's supposed to be five. We're, we're supposed to be going into week one saying, he's here, he's here, he's here, etc. Obviously, Garrett Bowles is going to be a left tackle. Lloyd Koshimari is going to be at center, I think. But the guard position is absolutely wide open. The right tackle position, which I hit on earlier, is, is, is wide open. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, George Payton felt the need to add some depth this morning, which I thought was interesting. So I'm going to look at how the O-line is stacking up. That's not the you know the most enticing thing for fans to, to care about, but... You've got a, a quarterback that's about to be making $50 million a year back there. It's super important, and they're going to have to play a lot better than they've played in previous years, specifically guys like Dalton Reisner, who's, who's a fan favorite and a great guy. We all love Dalton. Dalton didn't play that well the last couple of years, so he's going to have to step up as well. His starting job is, is on the line. Graham Glasgow, his starting job is on the line. So a lot to watch on that O-line. I'm going to be looking at the wide receivers, the connection. You know, that's kind of one of the big topics is who should you take in fantasy um, is that going to be Cortland Sennett? Is it going to be Jerry Judy? How does Russ react with all of them? So that's where I'm going to be keeping my eyes. And then again, the running back situation. Cecil had a pretty good take yesterday. You can check out our Twitter for that, um, where he said he doesn't anticipate Melvin Gordon to get a single um, first-team snap today. 
that's interesting from Cecil for sure because again I keep hearing it's gonna it's gonna be 50-50 and why did they re-sign Melvin well Cecil seems pretty confident it's gonna be Javante so that'll be that'll be curious to watch and in terms of the wide receivers Rachel some news yesterday too KJ Hamler starting training camp on PUP yes. so um, obviously we're all looking at Sutton Judy Patrick but now without Hamler and good producing here that that, that PUP list getting brought up um, Okay, where do we go for that fourth wide receiver now without Hamler? He will be the fourth when he's healthy, mm -hmm. but is that like Kendall Hinton territory? True. Is that Tyree Cleveland territory? Seth Williams, Montreal Washington, the kid they took in the fifth round, the returner uh, out of Samford, who everyone's like, you just took a player out of Samford, and then yeah. everyone watched the highlights, and they're like, oh, he's got a lot of speed. Yep. So um, I may have jumped the gun a little bit there on your hosting, but my point being, with Hamler on the PUP, where that wide receiver depth come from. There's a lot of bodies out there, but someone's got to step up. No, I'm definitely really looking forward to it. Did see Randy Gregory come out, though? Did, did or did not? I did not. So now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be interested to just see how he interacts, obviously, being on the PUP list. Yeah, and that one is, of the three names we put up there, you know, I think Hamler will be back the soonest. Yep. I would have said Turner will be back soon, too, but then again, the, the signing this morning makes, makes you feel a little, little nervous there. Yep. But I thought, and I talked about it with Sandy and Sean last night with the Gregory thing, Sandy made a great point. George Payton said, I look out my window, he's doing great, we'll see if he can go week one in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And then Nathaniel Hackett chimes in and goes, I'm hoping he plays his best football in December. And it's like, whoa, those are a little bit different timelines here, um, what the GM is saying versus what the head coach is saying. I'm not going to call it disconnect. But there is a little differing opinions there on Gregory. I thought Hackett, who is relentlessly positive, we both know that, yeah. always so optimistic, him sort of squashing expectations a little bit and saying Gregory in December, that was a little curious to me. So certainly something worth monitoring. Interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. That would be quite a shock to me, actually. Yeah, and I don't think that means he's not going to play till December, but I think Hackett's probably thinking – Okay, well, if we don't get him back till I don't know, week four, week five, mid-October, then he's going to need some time to get in shape. He's going to need some time to get in rhythm. We're going to ramp his play count up because certainly he's not going to get 80% of the staffs his first game back when they have so much depth at edge rusher. So maybe Randy Gregory peaking in December is what our expectation should be. Wow, okay. Yeah, interesting. Definitely we'll keep an eye on. Check out DenverFan.com for that as well. Now the backup QB situation. It's something we've talked about. Obviously, Ross is QB number one. But Josh Johnson, what are you looking for to see out of him? Yeah, I mean, Josh Johnson's a veteran who's been in this league forever. Um, so obviously the Broncos wanted a trusted veteran if, heaven forbid, anything happened to Russ. But you, you saw Brent Rippon, obviously, too. So how that shakes out... Um, I don't expect to see them really get any reps, you know? It's not going to be like in years past where we're switching QBs off. Russ is going to get those – yeah, seriously, thank goodness. So Russ is going to get those reps. Um, Rachel, put it this way. Josh Johnson may be the nicest guy in the world. If I don't think about Josh Johnson all year, great. That means everything went well with Russell Wilson. True, but again, we're going to probably be seeing these guys for preseason because I don't anticipate Russ doing a lot of preseason games. That's a great point. And another interesting answer from Haggett yesterday was – I've never seen anyone win a playoff game by winning a preseason game. Yeah, I, th I thought it was his best quote of the day. Um, and so, yes, you're going to get a lot of Josh Johnson and Brett Rippon in the preseason. I think fans who thought, oh, come week two of preseason against Buffalo, 
we're going to get to see Russell Wilson in this first team offense for for a half or you know into the third quarter. Ooh, I would pump the brakes on that. I think maybe a series or two. So yeah, it will be fun to uh, learn a little bit more about the backup QBs in the preseason. I wonder though if Russ wants to get those reps in, so maybe we almost will see him for a full quarter. A quarter, maybe, but I think you're pushing probably what Hackett feels comfortable with, you know. Um, and, and a lot depends on how those series go. If you get the opening kickoff and have an eight-play, 80-yard eight drive for a touchdown, you're done. That's your night. If the other team gets it first and, and then there's a punt and there's a punt back and there's a punt back, it's like we've run three plays. We need to go back out there. Then that could bleed in the second quarter. So you can't just put labels on it. If it's one quarter no matter what, it's going to be game feel of, okay, did they get a good drive, get in the rhythm. Absolutely. All right. DenverFan.com. Check it out for all the articles today. And then Training Camp Live is also tonight with myself, Cecil, and Mace. 5.30 p.m. right here on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. As always, well, a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for sitting down and talking. And, yeah, everyone, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We will keep you guys updated on everything that happens out on the field today. And we'll see you guys later. Bye, everyone.